When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe, and this is not going well at all, but we got Mr. Linden, and we are excited about it. He is the NWA Texas uh, heavyweight, former heavyweight champ, the NWA Pacific heavyweight champ, qualify our men's award winner, Southern Hall of Famer, and he is the grappler, and we are glad he's here because he's a Texan, and he doesn't like Oklahoma either. Mr. Linden, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir, for having me on your show. I appreciate it, JBL, especially to be on a Texan show. I appreciate that, brother. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, Lynn, I've known you longer than that long-legged Texan guy has there, man. He'll do you wrong there, you know. Jerry, Jerry, can I just say, the only reason I said that, okay, I love you like a brother. You know that. I've known you since I was a kid back when I started out in Texas and Florida wrestling. But I always remember that time in Ocala, Florida. Okay, I don't know if you remember it, but I was like, I think I was 18, 19. I just got started. I was sitting in the dressing room. I had to wrestle you on second in Ocala. Okay, and I had a T-shirt on that said, Oklahoma sucks. Oklahoma sucks, Texas number one. And the boys go, you ain't got a hair in your ass if you don't wear that out there when you wrestle Jerry tonight. I went, are you kidding? And, said, and so they kept on, kept on. Finally, I got enough guts. I went out there. You you crawled in the ring, and then you looked across the ring at me and they announced us. You jumped me, and what you tore that shirt into a hundred pieces. <laughs> you beat I remember up. it had to be Dusty Road to talk to you into doing that. I don't remember who it was, but I know one thing I remember you like after you got through tearing it up, you got me down and put me in some of those damn holes you got, you and your brother knew. And you, I was going, Yeah, give up. And the referee, Sonny Myers, going, No, you don't hang in there, kid. You ain't giving up. I ain't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some good times back in those days, man. Wrestling. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That was not a good time. That was a good time for you. That was well, it was a good time. Like I said, I had some good times back in those days. <laughs> 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 but Lynn, you know, like you say, man, you you were just starting in the business. You know, take us through that path. You know, I know you're from that damn state south of the Red River. You know, that's the only thing good about it. It connects to the Red River there. Yeah. But uh how how did you get started? I've read a lot about you, but I never who was who, who was who was the guy that 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 said, Len, you know, come in and what what made you want to start into professional wrestling? The was John Layfield one of your idols as you were growing up? Because I what's that? What's that? <laughs> well, what got me started, Jerry, was this right here. I, my friend of my dad's, my dad. I was in construction. A friend of my dad wanted to be a wrestler, a big old boy, and he was helping my dad. And Tiger Conway Sr. had a fence company in Houston, right? 
Right, right. Some carports and stuff built. Somehow my dad got to a job and he met him. And so I went out there on weekends. My dad made me get my ass out of bed and go help him. <laughs> he says, well, he says, uh, you're a buddy there that wants to be a wrestler. He's kind of out of shape, but your son's in pretty good shape. He looked like he'd be the wrestler. Well, I was getting ready thinking I'm going to go to college and play baseball and all these kind of stuff, you know. I was running and training every day. And so um kind of got me interested in it. So um, I went and started thinking about it. And, and so I found out about these lucha guys that were doing wrestling across town. Now, back now you got to remember, back in these days, I had no idea that was opposition. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what that shit meant. And so I you go, didn't know what opposition was, right? No, I went over there because you know Tiger, he he scared the hell out of me. He's so big. I went over to these guys my size, he's Mexicans, right? <laughs> I went over there and he goes, until we in a week they had me ready for a match. He said, You're ready. I went, What? So I wow. scared the hell out of me. I went back and my dad called Tiger and he goes, where has he been? Oh, he got hot. He goes, tell him to meet me at the Coliseum Sunday afternoon. I'm going to show him what he don't know about wrestling. <laughs> so I went down there, and he was trying to stretch me, but he was too old and blowed up. He, he couldn't stretch me. <laughs> so finally, he says, I don't feel comfortable training this kid. I'm not messing with him. So I, I said, the hell with wrestling. That's, what, what kind of people are these folks, you know? And so um, I just kind of gave it up. And then my dad seen this ad. In the, of all type of things, the TV guide back then, we always have them. And he goes, Look, they got an ad on the back page. You guys got a wrestling school across town. So, and, and so, um, again, Joe, and he goes, uh, This guy worked as uh, Joe Pizza. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Joe Pizza. He worked as a German. He was basically a job guy all around. But to me, he impressed hell out of me. And then um, he was a friend of uh, Nick Kozak's. Remember Nick Kozak? Oh, yeah. Well, Nick, he was refereeing in Houston. Nick was at the time for Paul Bosch. Well, Nick was a good friend of Joe's. And so he had the school and he started the school. Matter of fact, you've heard of Gary Young, Gary Harrington? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we were two of the students. We we're the only two that made it out of this class. All right. And uh, he trained, we trained together there. And um, finally, Nick got us booked in Amarillo with the Funks because, you know, his brother was promoting towns for a. Uh, for the funks over there in Amarillo at that time. And um, that's how we got, uh, after we trained with him, we went on over to Amarillo for Terry and Dory, but I lasted about a week. I got fired because I was too small. <laughs> and they sent, me, <laughs> they sent me back home. But then luckily Bill Watts had just taken the territory from, from um, Leroy McGurk and he was trying to get any talent he could find. And so he uh I wrote a letter to Dory Funk Jr. and he and told him how much I appreciated the chance there in Amarillo. And he called Watson, got me booked over there, and I took off from there and started getting bigger and everything kept going from there. That's how I got into it. <laughs> wow. You know, you know, that that's a law start now. You guys just don't realize, you know, when we used to have want to make a move, we we usually wrote wrote a letter to to the promoter and, and that letter that letter would, would chain its way to the to the place that you eventually wanted to go. Yeah. Promoters thought so much of you if you just sat down and you corresponded with them like that, you know, back, back in those days. It's funny, you know what was fun? Like the last show that I had, I, I got here's what happened. I went in there and they booked us and my first uh show was on was in TV in Amarillo. And so they looked at me and you know they had 
they, there was guys, Abdul the Butcher was working the territory at the time. Art Nelson was the booker. Cyclone Negro, all these big, huge guys. And I weighed right. about 150 pounds. So they said, they give me. And they, how old were you, Dan, Leon, at that time? I just turned 18. Wow. Okay, so he goes, uh, they said, look, the guy gave my notice, Art Nelson, because look, I'm going to give you a week on the road. You know, and, and so and so I looked at the booking sheet. Now, the guy trained me. This is, this is how dumb I was. The guy trained me, told me, if they tell you when you get out there, they want you to referee, you tell them I trained you to be a wrestler. You're a wrestler. You ain't no damn referee. <laughs> so I went to Art Nelson. He had me refereeing three times and wrestling three times. He was just trying to make me some money. To go, yeah. to go home. I said, sir, I just want to tell you. Now, you can imagine I'm 18, 180 pounds. Here's Art Nelson right in the middle of TV. <laughs> Stop him, right? I go, <laughs> I, I said, Art, right. what is it, kid? I go, hey, I said, I said, I'm not no referee. I just want you to know that. He goes, you take that booking sheet and you do the job and you take your wipe your ass and leave right now. That <laughs> <laughs> was hard. So anyway, I did the towns, but what I was going to tell you was on the way back, my last show was, um, uh, she was up in the mountain uh, in Arizona. Um, anyway, we made, we made the, we made the town. It was, and they, they had me drive the uh, Abdullah there. He laid in the back seat. And we were going to, uh, he said, hey, baby, and I'm driving, I'm 18. I remember he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes like this. He said, hey, baby, hey, baby. He goes, look, when you get to Tupincary, there's a big buffet. Make sure you wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, drive, I stopped at the buffet and we made the town. We're on the way back. And of all things, blow the engine in my car. This is my last show. I just got fired. And I, <laughs> it's like, baby, we're limping into town. And the guy, Abdullah, was, he's looking at me. He goes, man. He's the guy that told me write the letter to Dory. He said, wow. write to Dory and seal it. And if there's any chance, he may get you a, a booking. And before I got home, after I got my engine fixed and borrowed money from my daddy, <laughs> I really felt like shit going home. Uh, my dad, I called home and collect. And he goes, um, he said, man, get your ass home. You're booked in Louisiana in two weeks for Bill Watts. <laughs> yeah. He said, Dory Funk Jr. just called here. I couldn't believe it. But, yeah, that was, that was a good it was a lucky break. So, so you took off from from Amarillo. You just had, had your car car repaired, and I had to set you back a lot, a lot there to get to get your car get you had to get a new engine put in that car. Then you drove over to Louisiana. Then you really put some miles on, right? <laughs> yeah, that poor car. That poor car car called hell. It didn't see no pain in in uh, in. <laughs> Amarillo till he got to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> was Bill, was that when Bill Watts, he, he took over part of the Louisiana too, right? So he expanded his territory. That's why he needed so much extra talent, right? Right. Yeah, he took over uh, the um, Leroy, McGurk, Leroy McGurk's part. And when he did that, he had all down south and all, all those Louisiana towns, Mississippi, Oklahoma, part of Texas, and all that stuff, right? So he was taking talent, I mean, any kind of talent, trying to make TV shows and keep the dates booked, you know? And was he running more than one crew, or was he running just one crew, just had all these different One crew. Sometimes he run two towns a night, but that was usually on Saturday or Sunday. But then he was running one, just one crew, one TV show. But we went to all those towns, man. It was just a rat race, man. But, but like, you know, he was using talent from everywhere. They probably couldn't get a job. A lot of other places like, like me <laughs> and, you know, but they developed into stars down the road, you know? 
And the problem with Glenn, that, was, I, Glenn, I remember you as a real astute uh, uh, student too, in the ring you were always up to learning. But what what a what a group of talent you had down in Louisiana to learn from, and all those guys were real giving at that time too, and trying to teach a young guy the business there. That had to be a, a real plus for you as you moved on in, in your business. Oh, Nick, no, it was. A lot of guys took you under their arm. I mean, some guy, well, I'll tell you one guy that made you pay your dues, though, coming into the territory was a guy named Sweet Hanson. Remember Sweet? <laughs> oh, big Sweet, yeah. Oh, he used to beat the hell out of us. But, hey, you know what? If you got past Sweet and you 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 survived, then you were accepted in the business, you know, because he would give us hell. And then Killer Carl Cox, he was a, he was unbelievable, too. Killer Kirby was something else. But they had some, you're right, Jerry. They had some unbelievable talent there. It was great, guys. I, I loved old Herbie, old Killer Cox, man. He he, uh, he was one of, one of my mentors early on in my life, as Swede was. When I first got into business, I was fortunate, got a trip down to Australia, and Rip and Swede were down there. And they're the oh, ones that ended up getting me booked in Carolina as it could get me that big break I had in Carolina. So if I hadn't been for them, I don't know where I would have ended up, but uh, – yeah. They both took a liking to me down in Australia and along with Keller. And, man, yeah. they'd sit there. If they liked you, they would share the business with you inside and out. And that's what, that's what I remember about Sweet. Yeah, one time I was working in um, in the Florida. This is uh, after I'd left Louisiana. And I was still a greenhorn, you know. And um, Louis Tillette was the booker, right? And uh, he, he had brought a guy in from Guatemala, which is a friend of his. And the guy was about 30 years old. Now I was only 19, right? So I'm scared of my damn shadow. I'm scared of everything, especially around all these guys. And so he booked me with this guy, and this guy could not speak a word English. Uh -huh. And so I'm working with him, and he's working the right-hand side like you do over there and all kinds of bullshit. But I'm just trying to go with it. It's Louis's guy, and I'm trying to keep a job. Every night, Jerry, for a week straight, he busted my nose or my mouth. <laughs> and so we're in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I'll never forget. And I rode to the show with uh, with uh, Herbie, with Killer, and with uh, Jardine, right? And so um, Don Jardine and <laughs> Killer Cox. And so I go out there to work with this guy. And I didn't realize they'd been watching this, but apparently everybody had been watching this. And I go out there, and the guy got me in a – he had me, you know, where they put their feet against your side, one against your head, and you raise up and try to pin him, and he kicks, and you take the bump back. Well, he was doing it, but from the right side. But I went ahead and just work it, try to catch his tights. And I, anyway, I was just checking. The first time I went down, boom, he caught me with a heel right in the nose and right in the mouth. Bam! I said, oh, shit, knocked the hell out of me. So I go, all right. So I went up the second time. This time I jumped down real quick on purpose, and I could see he purposely tried to kick me in the face. <laughs> so my for and I don't know what just come over me. I was 18, and I just I had enough. I kicked my damn arm loose like nobody was even holding it. And I jumped up and looked at him. We locked up. And when he backed in the ropes, I, thought, I, I said, this is all I got. I gave him everything I had and then just knocked his ass right out. Boom, he dropped face forward on the mat. And Sonny Myers, then I was scared shitless. I didn't know what to do. I'm looking at the guy. And I get a whole arm bar on him. And Sonny Myers goes, he's a referee. So he goes, kick the shit out of him, kid. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and they've been watching this so when i when the match finally i went back and the guy come around we worked the match i put the guy over we get through the match we go to the back and when i when i came in the dressing room cox grabbed me by the throat and slammed me against the lockers 
He said, if I ever see you take shit off a guy like that again, you'll never dress with us again or ride with us. You understand me? And he asked, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> but they've been watching us the whole time to see if I was going to finally step up. Thank God I did. But uh, yeah. but I was scared to death, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's how old Killer was. That's how the business really was at that time. Those old timers, you know, they 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 wouldn't offer a lot until until they thought you really needed, and then you you proved to them that you would fight back. And that that's what when you fought back. You know, Killer's head, they probably smiled like crazy at that time. When you come in, he probably couldn't wait to tell you what good job, kid, you know. Yeah, he was, yeah, I mean, they didn't want no, they didn't want no cowards in our business because we had to protect this business because back then it wasn't showbiz and we had to protect it to make a living. And if you didn't, your ass didn't stay. Right. Especially, especially down in Florida, especially down in Florida or with Watts in Louisiana, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You remember the old world here in Florida? You, you know, you get in all the street fights you want to, but if you get beat, just get in your car and head head north. Get out of here. Yeah, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one, Jerry. I was in, and this is back after I got my break, come back, and you know everything was going good. I'm in Louisiana. I got the North American heavyweight title. I got the Mississippi heavyweight title, and I got one half the Louisiana tag titles. So me and Murdoch, Dick Murdoch, <laughs> we've been running there every night, two Texas boys getting drunk every night, drinking all that beer. And so Watts hears all these stories, and he's, he goes, hey. So he has a meeting at TV, and he goes, just like this, he can say, I want to say one thing right now before we start. He goes, Lynn Denton, he goes, you got the heavyweight title, the Mississippi title, all this shit. You got all the belts. He goes, you're running with that redneck Murdoch. If you go out in one of them hockey tops, you get your ass whooped. Don't come back to work because you fired. <laughs> so he goes and everybody gets starts. The guys laugh after he walks off. And so Murdoch, I look at Dickie. Hey, Dickie. I said, I wear a hood. Fuck, nobody know who I am anyway. He goes, I'm stooped you off, you son of a Murdoch and Layfield are really, really tight friends. Uh, Murdoch taught uh, – uh, uh, Layfield a few of the tricks of the road like never, never, never throw up in Oklahoma. Always go across the Red River. And make sure you do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, man, that's the greatest story ever. You, you know, Dick. I tagged with Dick. You know, I, and I idolized him. You know, I love, I love Dick Murdoch. And we, we, I picked him up one time. He never let me drive, so he would all. I would always have to sit in the pastor side, and he would be sitting there singing. Take Me Drunk, I'm Home, a song that he and Dusty Rhodes wrote together. It's the worst thing you ever heard. And I got to hand him Coors Lights. And he's throwing, about every third one, he's throwing out the window. And I realized I got to hand it the mouth toward him. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He wouldn't let me talk. No, I, I didn't care. I'm traveling with Dick Murdoch. So one morning he picks me up. I'm going to live in a bad place in Garland, Texas, with Bobby Duncan Jr. And uh, oh. in a bad area. And Dick picks me up and he goes, you're driving, kid. And I'd Whoa. never seen Dick hung over. i never seen him sail. He looked terrible. So we're driving up to Lawton or Fort Seal, somewhere up in Oklahoma. And I said, uh, Dick, you want me to pull over? No, nah, kid, keep driving. So I went <laughs> a little further. I said, Dick, you want me to pull over? And he said, kid, keep driving. So we get up to approaching the Red River. And he's, I said, Dick, are you sure you don't want me to pull over? He goes, keep driving. As soon as we cross the Red River, he said, Pull over, kid. And he got out and threw up all over Oklahoma. <laughs> and he got back in and he told me, he said, don't ever throw up in Texas, kid. <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. Hey, you know what he did with me one time? I swear, I never laughed so hard. My, I'm working with him in Biloxi, Mississippi, right? 
And so he was sitting in the dressing room. You know, we never go, hey, y'all, we got to finish. We don't say, what do you, you know, you say, what do you want to do this high spot, that high spot? Are you kidding? Murdoch would say, get out of here. I ain't called high spots in here. And so, so, so I go by and say, Dickie, is anything different you want to do? No, nah, shit, I don't want to do, you know what? I don't want to do nothing. I go, what? He goes, I don't want to do nothing. I don't feel like working. <laughs> I'm laughing, right? So you get a little bit further and he goes, hey, I don't even know the finish yet. So I'm going, what are we doing? He goes, I don't know. I don't want to do nothing out there. So the bell rings. He's still saying, he said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. He goes, I'm going to let the fans call the match. Hell with this. I'm tired of burnout. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to let the fans call the match. And brother, we went out there and he said, get some heat on me. I got some heat on him. He struggled to come back and he grabbed me by the mask. He's, you know, he's got his fist up. He goes, what do you want to see me do? What do you want me to do? The guy says, punch him. So he punched him. He's pointed the crowd, doing it like a circle. But he said, the guy said, backdrop him. So he backdrops me. He goes, slam him, he slam him. And some guy behind him goes, drop kick him. And Murdoch stops. Turn around and said, drop kick, you dumb bastard. Call something else. I like, ain't hey, drop kick. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh so hard, I swear. I dropped <laughs> Murdoch could get more heat by doing nothing than anybody I've ever seen in the ring. Oh, I know, brother. He's unbelievable. He gets something out of nothing. You're right. He, yeah, him and Killer Cross Cox as a tag team. We we had Cox and Murdoch down there as a tag team for a while. Jack and I used to work with them. It was a, probably the best time in our business because we didn't have to do anything, just to get heat, you know, with those guys, just stand there and listen to them. Yeah, I, I know that he would do the three stooges, whoop, 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 and he'd spin around in a circle on the mat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes, he'd go like this. I kick him. He'd be doing three stitches again. He said, kick me again. As he's going around, kick him, he goes the other way. <laughs> Lynn, every know. night, he had sat there in his University of Texas jacket and he wouldn't even get in the ring. I'd get in the ring. I'd, and the referee yeah. do the instructions or whatever they're doing. And Dick, I turn around, and Dick say, go ahead and start the match, kid. When it turns to shit, tag me in. I'll straighten it out. Every single night. Every night he said that. Him and Murdoch's got to be the only guy in the business that that claimed he went to West Texas University and never enrolled in one single class. He played in the alumni game, Jerry. Yeah, he played an alumni game and and, and, and started for four years for him, never enrolled. (laughs) That's right. He never went to one day of school there. (laughs) That's great. Hey, I went to – I was in Japan with him. We're in Tokyo, and uh, it's me and – uh, Bob Orton Jr. and, and Dickie and the six man against Anoki and a couple of the other uh, Fuji, was Fujinami and somebody else. Anyway, so they, they, of course, they step out just as the bell rings. They both step out and go, Yes, you're starting, kid. I go, <laughs> First tour in Japan. I never been there. And so I, here's Anoki looking at me, right? And so I circled. I go, Well, hell, he's supposed to be a restaurant. I picked him up, was going to take him down. Brother, when I picked him up, took him down, started riding him, the ring filled up. They thought I was shooting with him, the other guy. <laughs> we got in a big fight, finally rolled down the floor, and Murdoch goes, what the shit are you doing, kid? You just broke him out and I shoot in here, you idiot. I go, man, I never take him off his feet. That's a damn superstar. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so you were down here in Florida for a while, and, and, and you, you – uh, well, I remember you were so young, but you you really made an impression on Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham really liked you. I think he did. He send you up to Atlanta, Georgia after after you left there. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. And you worked with only up only in a, in a group up there. What did you think of that group when you moved up there? 
Well, I had I had a, I learned a lot. There's a lot of stars in Atlanta too. And then from Atlanta, uh, you know, I stayed to the world's famous Falcon Dressed in Atlanta, right? Yeah, then, right. Yeah, <laughs> world famous. Yeah, I met there that I learned a ton off of, and I think you know when the guys say this is the truth. When the guys say that guy's a gentleman and a scholar, this guy sincerely was was Ivan Koloff. And I yeah. learned a ton from him, and he was there. I learned a lot from him when I was in Atlanta, and then I went from there to to Mid Atlantic. After that, yeah. you know, what, was it Mid Atlantic that you started really getting getting elevated a little bit at that time, getting getting shoved toward, up toward that? You you'd gained so much weight, you'd gone from one eighty five up to about two thirty two forty, didn't you? Yeah, and then what happened was. Um, I was at the point where I'd been about four years. I go, man, I ain't made it. I got a break on top. I decided that I was going to come back home because my dad had a good, pretty good construction company going. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it one more try here. And then if I don't get a break, I'm going to roll. And so, and I'd been overseas a couple times and everything and just couldn't get a break. And so I happened, I went with, uh, we were in Norfolk, Virginia that the night before and we were staying at the hotel there. And I went to the gym. And I was coming down the hall, and Gene, remember Gene Lewis? Yeah. Gene Lewis had the door open to his room, and he was on the phone as I walked by. And he goes, Lenny, Lenny, hold on. This guy wants to talk to you on the phone. And it was Buck Robley. And Buck Robley was booking. I'd never met Buck at the time, but he was booking for Watson, Louisiana. And he said, I need a, a top heel. I need a guy who wears a mask. I heard you wear a mask. And I'd been doing some stuff in Atlanta where they called me the challenger with a mask on. Right. Just doing and stuff and he said, I said, Yeah, he said, um, and he said, and, um, he goes, Um, I need a guy. He said, Do you think you can handle the job? I said, Hell yeah, I can handle the job. He goes, Okay, so so I got he said, I'm gonna bring you in in two weeks. I'll call, I'll call Oli or whoever was booking at the time. I forget who was booking there. Then I think it was might have been Oli, but then he goes, Um, he asked me what name he want to use. Now, you know, um, uh, Don, Don Cornoodle, and oh, was Don Noodle, yeah. Yeah, me and Cornell were riding down the road two nights before. And he, 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 for some reason, coming back to that, back to Norfolk, he goes, you know what? He goes, if I ever wrestle, I like to wrestle sometime with a mask. And he said, I'd call, I wear a mask and call myself the grappler. Cause, you know, he was a Greek or Roman wrestler. He goes, that means right. Greek, like some kind of wrestling thing. And that stuck in my head. And when he, when Buck asked me, what is, what do you call yourself under the mask? I went, uh, the grappler. <laughs> exactly how I got that name. <laughs> did, did you tell Carnoodle uh, you were going as the grappler? Oh, yeah. Don wanted the residuals and shit. He was, yeah, yeah he, of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. He, yeah, every time I'd see him, he'd jump on me. <laughs> so when, when you went to when you went down to watch watch it that, that territory had started changing from the first time you were down there they were really drawing some money at the second time you went right yeah that's when they had the free birds and all that in the hot and junkyard dog yeah and so uh i went down there and they started doing that um that angle with the, with the boot you know where they got me i hurt my leg and i came back a few weeks later with that orthopedic boot and they got that right. in and all that stuff, and yeah, it was now, a that loaded boot. How did that come about? Uh, tell us that because that, that's what you were, you were really a hill down there with that loaded boot. Well, it was you know, uh, you remember Dr. X, don't you? Right, yeah, okay. He had done that gimmick years before it for McGurk in Oklahoma in his territory. But so, Watts had that in his mind. So, Watts said, you know, he seen me wrestle and all, and um, 
I, I was there for two weeks and then Watts flew in because he had his own private plane, right? He flew into Shreveport on a Friday night just to watch me wrestle on with. And he was getting uh, the reason I know that is Paul snuck across, which he could have got fired over. But he told me, Hey, brother, Bill's here. And he told me he came here to watch our match. He's going to make a decision where he's going to put the belt on you or, or give you your notice. So you better kick ass tonight. And I said, Okay, Paul. He said, I want to see if he can handle it. And so he, he, he told me and Paul to go 30 minutes through in the, in the semi, right? And so I said, Paul, just let me call it. If I go down, it'll be my fault. And so Watts seen the match, and he liked it. He called me the next day said, hey, I want to shoot an angle. We hurt your leg. And we come back with a, that loaded boot, an orthopedic boot. And da, 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 and he laid out the angle, and we he asked me to come up for the finish, how to do the hurt my leg deal. But we worked it out, and that's how I got, that's how I got started. You were Lynn Denton. You weren't the grappler at that time, were you? I was a grappler, but I was just a regular guy. I didn't have okay. a horse boot. I just wrestled. I was a, the greatest wrestler in wrestling, you know, type guy, you know, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, Bill Watts, the, was Bill Watts the, one of the biggest – he was big, one of the biggest kayfabe uh, promoters, right? I mean, you guys – so for Orndorff to come across, that was a big deal. He could have got fired. He would have got his ass fired if they caught him. Even though Orndorff was – you know, he liked him a lot. He wouldn't have took that. He would have fired him. So he put a lot on the line. Well, me and, me and Paul were friends, but, I, you know, he took a lot of chances coming across there. But he knew it was my job on the line, you know, or he wouldn't have done it, you know. And what's had, what Watts had for those watching was separate uh, dressing rooms, and, and the baby faces and heels never crossed. Didn't go out never. together, didn't ride together, nothing. It was a big deal. Oh, shoot, no, man. No, that was instant firing job they caught you doing that, you know. I mean, we used to do stuff we shouldn't have done, but we couldn't let him catch it. <laughs> and it's us that might tell him we knew we, we had enough clout to threaten him, we'd kill them if they told him. <laughs> Did Bill ever find you? Huh? Oh, he probably Did you ever he, get fired? Yeah, he fired me. I know. Bill was firing me $50 for laughing one time. Like <laughs> the ring or in the dressing room? Huh? In the ring or in the dressing room? I was in the dressing room, and he was having some bad problem, you know, there. And I was sitting in the dressing room getting my shit on, and we're talking to the boys. And I, somebody said a joke, and he just walked in about the time the guy said the punchline. I went, ha, 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 he goes, $50, asshole. And I thought it was <laughs> and it was out of my check when I got my check Tuesday. <laughs> well, he said it was 50 for laughing. What was it? Was there a rule against laughing? Well, I guess there was then. He he made his own rules. There wasn't much I could say about it. He didn't want to pay. Gasly must have went up for his private jet that day. Huh? I said Gasly went up for his private jet that day. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, this, this is just amazing to me. Did, did, did you ever question it? Like, you really find me for laughing? I did. Well, what did he say? He was sitting like, okay, we're at TV doing interviews on, I think it was on Tuesday morning, Jeff. Uh, Wednesday, on Wednesday morning. So we had to come in. We worked uh, Shreveport, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Baton Rouge on Tuesday night. You have to drive and stay in Shreveport, which is 200 miles that night after the matches. So we get in at like one in the morning. You got to be at TV at seven o'clock to do four hours of promos and drive to Jackson, Mississippi, 200 miles away to work Wednesday night. And so the, I was at the TV, we're doing the interviews, and the heels sat on one side of the studio 
and the bay face on the other side. You couldn't even talk during the promos, you know, with a TV chair. And so I got my check and I look and he's across there and sitting at the table with Bayface. He goes, fifty dollars bill. He goes, shut the fuck up, do the promos. That's far as it went. <laughs> it went. I didn't see him for another week. <laughs> were Were you there with with Junkyard Dog when he was so hot in that territory? Oh yeah, brother, I was. He was on fire. Yeah, you go to New Orleans, man, they'd be going, who that say going to beat that dog? Who that? I was um, I was working with him in um, in New Orleans. Oh, and so, excuse me. And they go, um, though, in New Orleans, it's a pretty rough crowd. And so they, have, they had a double door, went out, two double doors, and then out to where the crowd is. And then you go along ringside, you get there, and they take two regular cops, not security, regular cops, would walk you to the ring, and then they come back. So this particular night, Jerry, I came down with this one cop. He decided to stay at ringside to see how the match started for some reason. I found out found out about this later. But so I went in there and uh, got in the ring, and here comes Dog, and he's they're playing his music, and all the people going, who they say going to beat that dog, and they're dancing, and he's got that collar and that chain. And so I told Jack Howell, the referee, I said, slide out, I said, tell Dog when he rolls in, I'm going to get this started right and I'll get on him with that chain. He goes, okay. So he goes, slides out. I see dog wink at me before he rolls in, right? As he comes in, I take that chain. I'm beating that shit out of it, and I'm choking him. And I look up in a minute, and I see all the crowd, you know, in the, like in the arena, at the kind of in the um, middle ways up. You can see them all diving under their chairs. And so I thought, oh, man, hell, a fight broke out. You know, like when a fight breaks out in the crowd, you might as well stop doing high spots and sit down because until everybody stands back up. <laughs> And so I just took the chain and got rid of it. I got an arm bar or something. I was sitting there waiting for the crowd to sit back down. They all sat back down. We continued the match. Bam, bam, bam. Finished the match. Had a good match. I went to the back, and the police officer asked me, to said, come here. He goes, you need to go over and thank that fellow right over there, that other police officer. I said, why? He goes, he just saved your life. So what are you talking about? He said, he stood at ringside. He usually comes to the back. He said, well, you know when all those people were diving under chairs? He said, a guy ringside stood up with a 357 Magnum, and he grabbed his wrist, and the other guy helped him. They took it away from him. He was fixing to blow your ass away. Wow. I said, you're kidding me. I didn't know he was even behind me. I was beating beating dog's ass up in the field. Day. <laughs> so wow. that's, how, that's how New Orleans was with dog <laughs> out there. <laughs> and dog was like that everywhere, right? Everywhere. Territory. You had to watch it. They'd tear your vehicle up. I mean, I went in one time to, into uh, I had this, I bought me a Silverado pickup, man. Texas brother. I had mags on it, the whole shit. I was making uh, money. I, pay, I pull into uh, Lake Charles, and there's police officers there, too, and they go, how you doing, Grandpa? I said, what are you, so what are you doing? I said, how you like that new Chevy? He go, get your ass in that truck and follow us. I went, what? They made me follow them. I drove them around to the, to the jailhouse, and they said, park your truck here. We'll take you back. You come back, this truck will be beat all over. Because you can't park <laughs> something like that. <laughs> That's the way it was, you know, with dog, you know, them fans. It's crazy. So how long did your, your gig last there? And is that when you decided you're going out west? I mean, that's a big jump from uh, Louisiana out to, out to Portland. Let's see. I went from uh, from Louisiana. We end up going uh, 
I figured out a couple of other characters. I worked in Memphis some, and then they, they, I went back to Louisiana, and they ended up tagging me and Tony up as the grapplers. And we made a couple of year run around the territories, different places. Uh, Tony Alice. Tony Anthony. Anthony, Tony, okay. They made me and him the grapplers, tag team. Yeah, you were uh, dirty white boys for a while, right? Well, we we were dirty white. We were first the grapplers, and then we left Memphis. We came back, went and worked in uh, San Antonio for uh, for Joe Blanchard and them for a year year or so as the grapplers. Then we came back and into Memphis as the dirty white boys, different tag team. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we end up, I ended up, we ended up splitting up from there, and I went back to Dallas and for Fritz and, and uh, worked as a grappler for about a year. And then after that's where I left and went to the Northwest from there. Now, when you went back to Dallas, there, I, I, I just jumped back to Memphis. There. Is that when you, you first hooked up with Jimmy Cornette? Because uh, I know you and Jimmy were tied for a while. Yeah, well, Jimmy, Jim Cornette was managing, was the manager of me and Tony. It's weird. Memphis is weird. We had Jimmy, Jim Cornette, and and uh, Jimmy Hart. We had two managers at the same time on TV. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, so they were both our managers, and they, and then when we came back, just just Jimmy Hart was our manager as the Dirty White Boys. Uh, but um, then we left. I went back to Dallas and worked Dallas for about a year, and then. Um, is this a time uh, when the Von Eric kids were so hot, or was it before? Well, I wasn't there when they were on fire, but well, that's some of the time they were. But um, the time I was there is when that one kid—I um, forget his name—the one, that, the last one that killed himself. Uh, Mike Von Eric, remember Mike Von uh, Eric? Chris or Chris or Mike? I think it was Mike. Yeah, I had to work with Mike Jerry. This is no kidding. I'm in the dressing room in uh, in sports at the sportatorium uh, in Dallas, right? And, they, and, and uh, Bronco Lewis calls me in the room. He says, you're working with Mike. And Mike's sitting there and he's putting his shit on, right? Placing his boots. And he says, you're working with him tonight. Now, this is national TV. You know, got about 10 minutes or so. And I said, let me guess. I used the claw on him, right? He goes, just do the job, dude. I said, okay. <laughs> so he goes, he says, okay. So as I'm talking to him, he goes to put his, his uh, pull his lace up. And he falls backwards off the damn, off the chair. And all with the bench, laced in his boots <laughs> twice while I was sitting there. That's how I fucked up. Not going to work with And I go, I said, hey, Bronco, what the fuck? He goes, just go do it. Get it done. So I went out there and I said, get it done and do not let go till I tell you. Okay. So all I did was let him hold on a little bit. I got some heat on him and went home, you know, but it was like, God, you never know what you're walking into. You know, like I went in there and uh, I'm working in Brody's Booker there, right, Frank. And Frank, I love Frank. We always got along good, but he uh, he was stiffer and shit, you know. But he goes, he Frank goes, um, comes to me. He goes, Hey, Lenny. He goes, Kid, look, you've been here about a year. He said, I think I can get. You know, they're gonna be wanting me to give you your notice pretty soon. So he said, You're working with uh, Kevin tonight. He goes, um, I said, Okay, I know the call, right? Okay. He goes, But he said, If you just, you know, if you they want you to get juice. I go, okay. He goes, well, he said, if you get it right, maybe I can get you a couple extra weeks. 
<laughs> I said, okay. So, brother, I went to the bone, dude. And I'm in the shower after it's over, and I can't get the bastard to quit. I want to go to the bar. I don't want to get soda. I want to get to drinking. And I'm trying to get ice and turn in the shower. And all of a sudden, the curtain opens up. And Frank, he goes, good job, kid. I got you 12 more weeks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was happy. <laughs> It was uh, Black Bart was with Kerry Von Eric, and, and uh, somehow uh, Kerry's got obviously Kerry's got the claw on him, and Bart's gonna <laughs> Bart's gonna choose, and Bart ends up cutting his. Kerry is so erratic, he ended up cutting his own hand, Kerry's head, cut his head, and everything got cut up. Holy shit, Bart! Hey, you know Bart very well. He's something, man. I love oh, him the best. He is. So, oh God! I took him. We're we're coming back on a road trip. Um, and um, when I was over in Charlotte territory, right, and so he's drinking, and he and he's drinking, right. We drink beer every time, and we're all this. And so he he gets about two or three beers. He goes, man, he pull over, man. I he said, I, I got something wrong with my stomach. I said, what do you mean something wrong with your stomach, man? I got a shit, man. I said, brother, I ain't got time to stop. We got to make closing time, dude. You know, I pull the Murdoch shit on him, right? And he's, <laughs> and I tell him, I ain't gonna stop. You don't pull over. I want to shit right in the back of this truck or right in this car. And so finally, I pull over, and there's a bunch of canes growing up all this ditch, and he's hanging onto the fence with his big old white ass sticking out, leaning back. <laughs> Took one of them canes, Jerry. <laughs> I wore his fat ass out. <laughs> he still talks about that. <laughs> I used to carry a cowbell, and Bart, every time I'd walk in, they'd tell me Bart would hear the cowbell coming in the sportatorium, and Bart would go, I hate when I hear that cowbell because I know that long, tall drink of shit's with it. <laughs> How about me? <laughs> hey, you know what he did one time? We were working, and uh, Sandy Scott came. This is when we were just both job boys, and Sandy Scott came in. We are in uh, uh, Columbia, South Carolina. i never forget it. And after the match, we're sitting there. And Sandy Scott uh, was promoting that show. He comes in and says, hey, look, guys. He's asked me and him, he goes, we got a uh, Victor DeBear is going to be putting on a thing at uh, the mall tomorrow at uh, 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock. It's an extra $50. Anyone of you guys want to wrestle the bear? <laughs> and, and Bart goes, I got an update. I said, are you looking crazy? Have you ever wrestled a bear? He goes, no, it's got to be. I said, brother, you're going to wish you hadn't done that. When I see him the next day, he was bruised up all over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, man. Bear's too strong for me. <laughs> Bart was the best. Sit, get his big trash can and sit in the corner and spit in his trash can, put, push it up his glasses with a finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what he did one time? Um, um he had a trailer when he was over working for Watts. He was staying over across the river and had a house trailer, right? A regular trailer home. And we were all had apartments up in Baton Rouge in the town, but five mile difference, right? And so uh, I was in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, Andre flew in. And Andre, always, we were friends. And I knew when he came, he's going to want me to ride with me because I had a Lincoln and he liked to drink with me and Murdoch and all that shit. And so and so he's standing across there, and they got one of those big old roll-up doors, you know, because it's, it's kayfabe. He's on one side and the heel's on the other. Well, I see him over there, and I'm in on the semi with Dog, and he's working with somebody in the main. And he goes, boss man, you know, like that. And I go, hey, brother, hey, tonight he's going to drink, right, drink, right? I go, oh, yeah, and I'm hungover. Brother, I didn't want to drown so hungover. 
I was trying to get away from him. And so as soon as the match was over, I went to a shower, got my shit and took off. Because he was riding with somebody else. He's wanting to meet me. I took off, went across the river. I didn't even go to my apartment. Went across the river and uh, and knocked on Bart's door. and said, Bart, can I stay in your spare bedroom, brother? And he goes, um, he says, oh, yeah. He goes, um, he says, uh, no problem. So I don't know who stooged me off or how he found me, but I'm telling you, Andre couldn't even, he got inside the trailer. He couldn't walk inside the little, through the door thing. But I woke up, I'm in my underwear. He grabbed the mattress and flipped me in the mattress upside down. I jumped up and scared that. He chopped me back across. I said, let me, hold on, hold on. Brother, you talk about punish me. And they had after those clubs there. I don't even remember. He was holding the beer up, pouring it down me, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had mentioned Gene Lewis earlier, earlier in your career. There was Gene the one that helped you get out to Oregon uh, when you finally made that move. No, you know I was working the um, Dallas territory, and when I was working Florida, <clears throat> one time I came in there. Oh, excuse me, and they gave me a little, they gave a pretty good break as a grappler. I came back as a grappler. Um, along the way, me and Rip Oliver, remember Rip Oliver? Yeah, yeah. Rip, Rip was, he was running for Don Owens and he'd been up in the Northwest for a long time. Me and him was partners for a while in Florida, tag partners. Well, me and Rip hit it off, good friends. And Rip was up there and he was going, he got hired by Vince to come to WWE. And so he, he recommended, cause I'd been booking for Harvey for a year. And he said, hey, he said, um, he said, go ahead and uh, he said, I think Lenny can do a hell of a job. You know? And so uh, Geigel recommended me, uh, Harley and, uh, and Rip Oliver. That's how it all started. Because <clears throat> Don was looking for somebody to take his spot. And they recommended me for it. And all and some of the other guys, Cuban Assassin, uh, Joey Jackson, a bunch of guys stood up for me. That's how that happened. Cool. That was a heck of a place to work, too, wasn't it? I mean, it's a trip to that. What is different from Louisiana where you had those duration trips, those easy trips up in Oregon? Huh? Oh, yeah, you're home every night. and Yeah, it's good. And Don was a good payoff guy. I love Don Owens. You know, he was a good payoff guy. Yeah, tell us, tell us some of those stories about Elton Owens and those shoot matches that you guys would have. <laughs> when I went to – when I went to uh, – there, Elton had already died. So I never got to meet Elton. He'd already passed away when I came in. Huh. But I heard, I mean, all the guys told me all the stories, how, they, you know, they they get the guys to shoot during the match and they're working it, but they're doing amateur style and he'd pay them extra money. And then the one thing they tell me, he always smoked that cigar, you know, and he would go back there and he'd, he'd take a puff of it and leave it sitting on the ledge of the door. And when he would, Tim Brooks and, and uh, some of them guys are taking straight up their ass, put it back up there. <laughs> he comes back there smoking it in front of the boys. <laughs> guys, they'll do anything. You know that. <laughs> they'll do anything for a laugh, dude. <laughs> Killer, you know, Killer Jim Brooks was Dick Murdoch's cousin. And Mur yeah. Mur Murdoch used to always come to the dressing room every time there's new people. He goes, you know, Killer had sex with our neighbor's handicapped chickens, and Killer would always say, those chickens weren't handicapped. <laughs> 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 that Killer was great. I love Killer. 
Oh, yeah. He used to always get me to do this. He'd go, Lenny, ask me that whenever the guys get here. And I, we'd be sitting there, and the guys would come in and dress him. I'd go, hey, killer. I said, what would you do, killer, if you had, if you want a million dollars? He goes, well, hell, that's easy. I'd wrestle till I spent it all. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, you you were up there with uh, with Piper. Was it was Piper there when you first got up there? No, he wasn't there. He was in WWE, but then he came back, and uh, uh, we actually co-booked it for about a year after because um, oh, I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Don pissed down off. Then he brought Rod again. <clears throat> Let me tell you how this went down. Okay, so I'm booking the place, and so I've been there about six weeks. And, Every time, okay, he's one of those guys. Oh, here's that big loudmouth Texan. Here comes that. Te I wouldn't be a loudmouth JBL. I promise you. Okay. <laughs> That's right. You hear that, Jerry? You hear that? I hear it. I, and I, you know, I can. I got. I got. I, I, I believe that through loudmouth Texans. <laughs> Every time you get paid, Don's in the room. He pays. He tells the guys, "Here's that big famous Booker came from over in Kansas City and all over the country. This Texas loudmouth. How come you can't sell this place out, boy? How come you can't sell out Portland? You, everybody talk about how good you are. And I heard this shit for like six weeks straight. <laughs> Finally, I had enough of it. <clears throat> I said, I went like this. I went, Don, let me tell you something. You let me go on TV. You give me six weeks. Let me do whatever I want to. And don't have your son stop me or you stop my angels. And if I don't sell this son of a bitch out, you don't owe me a penny, and I'll go back to Texas where I belong anyway. He uh -huh. stood up, shook my hand from all the boys. He couldn't wait, so I shook his hand, and I started thinking, man, I might over, I might have talked my ass into something I can't get out of here. <laughs> I did it, and and thank the Lord, what happened? We sold it out, and it turned away six hundred people, and that's the only male man. Donald Trump's only promoter I ever seen get mad when the place sold out. <laughs> so what was the story? What was the storyline you did that sold it out? We had I used Adam. Uh, they have a match there called a coal miners glove match, and so I had to boot. I had to boot load a boot on fire, and so I'm in a cage, and I got the coal miners boot on one pole and the boot off me on the other pole, and we go for it. Whoever gets it, that was the main event. I can't remember the rest of the car. <laughs> we had everything juiced up, dude. I was trying to keep Damn, my job. you didn't stack the car, did you? Just a little. <laughs> I Every ever gimmick in the business, you just named off there that one match, man. <laughs> but Don goes, you know what? You killed my house. There's 600 people that won't come back. I go, Don, you should have got my half price ticket, you dumb bad. Anyway, he got – so when it, when it was over, when it was over – I, I got a guarantee, weekly guarantee, eight hundred dollars a week. Well, he paid me eight hundred dollars. Well, the house is twenty three thousand dollars. He usually does twelve. I said, Don, you owe me another grand. Dude. He goes, I don't know you shit. You got your guarantee. I said, Don, the place so you don't like it, leave it here. You ain't getting no more money. Get your ass out of here. That's all you get. He meant it. I went. That's, I said, Don, I'll tell you what. I'll get my money back. You watch. And so I now I'm still the booker. So comes along in about a month and. Uh, they want us to do an angle with Fujinami. He come in from Japan. He's going to beat me for the North American title. I go. To, I fly to Japan, work two weeks, beat him for the, the title over there. So we have a running thing with our office and all this. That was their idea. They came up with us. Okay, Don went for it. So here's the deal. When I went over to Japan to do my three weeks, okay, I remembered 
you know, back then you're the booker, they pay your phone bill. And we have a regular landline, right? I said, oh, I call collect home my old lady three times a day. <laughs> $1,200, dude. <laughs> That's a lot of minutes. $1,200 was a lot of minutes back in those days. Hey, and Don Owens got pissed. He called me to a meeting in downtown. He had, when I walked in the door, I seen Piper sitting there, and he's waving his phone bill at me that Don was. He's you think you're a smart ass, huh? <laughs> I told you I could get my fucking money back, didn't I? <laughs> he said, well, I just want you to know your ass is fired. So I started to get up, and he goes, no, no, stay here. I'll buy you dinner. I go, what guy buys your dinner after he fires you, right? So I go, okay. So I sit there, and then Roddy, he goes, what? Well, he, he started going like this. You know who's your, the new boss here, don't you know? He goes, Roddy Piper. He said, first of all, Roddy Piper's an actor, and you're not. Just Don tell me that. He's a better worker than you, and you're, you know, anyway, you know, he's a better talker than you. He's a better, I said, you know what? I don't need to listen to this bunch of shit. I said, fine, that's great. Yeah, right. And he goes, but Don, Piper stops the whole meeting. He goes, hold on a minute. Stop everything, you guys. He goes, Don, listen, you're right. I got a lot. I want to be the booker for you and I want to help you this territory. He said, but I got a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of movies, a lot of shit going on. Plus I'm still under contract with Vince. He goes, but I'll do it. But Don, I need to have an assistant. And I like to hire Lynn Denton to be my assistant. (laughs) 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 Same pace, same same thing. We just went back to work. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, yeah. You were mentioning Rip Oliver and the Cuban Assassin, two Tampa boys. There, did did, did you? Is that where you made the acquaintance here in Tampa with those two guys, or did, out in Oregon? I met Dave, um, a Cuban Assassin, when he was working opposition against Eddie Graham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we were both like eighteen, nineteen. I met him then, and then um, picked up with him along the road, different places, and then Rip Oliver. Uh, I met him. I believe I met him in Tampa too. Yeah. yeah. And then I seen him on the road too, like that. Yeah. Both guys. You're right, Jerry. Yeah. Good, good guys and good solid workers too. That's the thing about Oregon. You guys had really good solid workers up there. Now, were you around any when that Dutch Savage was up there? I mean, Dutch was, was I didn't know Dutch very well, but everything I ever heard about the guy was just first class. Yeah. He, no, he was already retired, but he, um, he came back and does some commentary and stuff like that. He would come and, you know, if he found something he thought would help me for us a job, he'd mention it. But we, he never worked any at the time. You know, he was just – he was always good with me. He was straight up. He was never a headache or no problems, you know. Did you ever work with my brother while he was champion? Yes, I did. I, yeah. Hey, hey JB, I'll check this out. He don't remember this one. Of course you don't, Jerry. Okay, we're, we're, we're at TV station. This is when Eddie Graham was still alive. Jerry and Jack are tagging on TV in that little building, right? On Okay, so we're fixing to go out, and it's all crowded in the dressing room. And I, I think um, I think it was me and Bubba Douglas, of course, right? Oh, yeah, I got to tell you, that. me and Bubba, and so, or somebody, and he goes, Jerry keeps going like this to me behind Jack's back. Take him down. Because Jack I said, I ain't taking it. He goes, take him down. You're your father. Well, Jerry. No, he just took him down, you asshole. So I get in the ring and I see Jerry looking over his shoulder. <laughs> and I took Jack down, brother. He I don't even know what he did to me. He had me screaming. He had both <laughs> legs, 
And, um, and, and uh, Sonny Myers is a referee of that one, too. And I, I try to get up, and Sonny goes, no, you don't, kid. Stay in there. I go, no. he, he finally let me get to the ropes. I look over, Jerry's laughing his ass off. But um, and another one was we were in um, – oh, uh, what's that town? It starts with a T. Uh, north – the town that runs north uh, Florida. In Tallahassee. Tallahassee. We're in Tallahassee. And it was, it was me and Bubba Douglas, I'll never forget it. We go out there against him and Jerry, and it's a house show. And we're wrestling, and they're doing all this stuff, and we don't get anything, right? And so finally we come back to the dressing room after the, after the fall, and I'm sitting there, and I'm taking my stuff off, and Bubba is too. And you know Bubba, he's all sweating. Jack and Jerry come in the dressing room, and, uh, and uh, Bubba goes, hey, Jack, hey, Jerry. Hey, Jack, hey, Jerry. Man, what happened to my comeback? What happened to my comeback? And Jerry went, you got to come back. He goes, no, I didn't. He goes, yeah, you did. You had to come back to the dressing room. <laughs> I <laughs> love old Bubba. Bubba, what a good guy, Bubba. The unofficial mayor of Lakeland, Florida. No kidding. I love him too. He's a good guy. <laughs> Jerry, do you he not was... feel bad about any of this? <laughs> no, not, not at all, not at all. That's part of growing up in the business, John. <laughs> but anyway, I made some boys pay their dues, too. <laughs> yeah, Bradshaw did just my bed in the ring with him. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Live one time, one time me and Jerry we were overseas, and I wake up in the morning, and my knuckles are all busted up, and I got a, my eyes got scrapes on it. And I thought, oh, my God, I got into a fight last night. I don't remember what happened. I'm so embarrassed. I get on the bus, and I don't say nothing. I just kind of sit down because I thought, I don't know what happened. So I look, get up, and Jerry sits right across from me. He's got his knuckles busted up and his eyes all scarred. <laughs> they tell us, they go, you two got in a fight with each other last night in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Neither one of us remembered it. Real. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that. Uh, what's that uh, kind of beer they drink over there? The big tall beers. Holy cow! Oh, it's high octane too. Yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long did you stay in Portland, and they, uh, land, uh, you had, And where did you go from after you left Portland? Well, well, I went. To, well, I was in Portland for about five, almost six years, wow. and then you know, Vince come in, took it over, you know. Right. And when he took it over, Don went out of business, and I already, me and Piper had already opened that automotive shop, and so I just worked that, and I worked, you know, some odd shows here and there, but basically that Wait was. Wait a minute, of, you were you were partners at an automotive shop with, with Hot me, Rod, me and Roddy Piper, yeah. Wow. What would you guys do? Uh, to chop shop or what? Well, it was a, a transmission shop. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? When he opened, tore a lot of them up. I know that. And that old blue Cadillac he had, but I didn't know he knew how to repair them. He didn't know jack shit about it. Whenever we opened the shop, my dad said, you know, we, we decided we're going to – I decided, well, I'm going to try to have something besides – just being an old broken down restaurant when it's over and I had nothing. So I should open me a business. So Piper said he would front the money, you know, but I had to pay him back and all. Anyway, it's a long story, but we had this transmission shop. We got it open and my dad was still alive at the time. And uh, he says, uh, I told him I opened a transmission shop. And he goes, you did what? 
I said, I'll open a transmission shop. He goes, listen, why don't you just why don't you just open a shop and build space shuttles? You know just as much about them some bitches as you know. <laughs> A lot of encouragement for Pop. <laughs> How long did the tranny shop last? Oh, we it had it. A, <laughs> years. It a tranny shop. <laughs> we had it for 12 years and sold it. That's good. So, Lynn, what did you do? If you don't know anything about transmissions, then Piper doesn't either. What did you do? Just hire mechanics that you knew? JBL, I thought, here's how dumb I was. I thought, well, I'm the grappler, and they all know me in town, and Piper, they know him more than me, that, hell, brother, we're going to have customers just run the doors over, right? <laughs> they, they would come in there and talk about wrestling. They wouldn't buy and shit, though, okay? <laughs> they wanted to ask me about my last match I had on TV. And so then I figured out, then you hire guys, I don't know what I'm doing, and they're robbing me blind, so I had to get an education. I finally – Hired a guy to teach me how to build transmissions. And once it took me about, about two years, I did a lot of starving. I mean, I worked there about two years. I taking a check. I was wrestling at night and doing that during the day. I almost had a nervous breakdown over it. It's a long story, but I finally made it where I knew what I was doing. And then I turned that whole shit around and started making good money at it. You know, and ended up selling the place for a couple hundred after that and everything, you know. But uh, it was a work. It was it was it was hard to do, but I made it. Thank God. But um, yeah, I was gonna tell you about what was it like? You, know, you thought you think that it's just because you. Oh, I'll tell you what I was gonna tell you. Piper goes on. He's trying to help us get business in the transmission shop. So he talks to Vince, and he gets a free commercial on Vince's show. <laughs> and he. <laughs> Roddy Piper, brother, let me tell you something. I know about stripping gears. I've stripped a few gears in my life. And he goes, go down Piper's pit stop. That grappler, he'll fix you up, you know, and all this stuff, right? And he goes, if he can't fix your, he said, if he, and he goes like this, why did this on him? If you can body slam the grappler, your transmission job's free. <laughs> I call him up in a week. I said, I've had assholes lined up here. Won't the body <laughs> What what year was that? Huh? What year was that? Uh we opened up in 90, 1990. So Piper had already done the WrestleMania and all that stuff. Oh yeah, he'd done all that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he was nineteen ninety we opened up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a struggle that was in life. <laughs> and now you mentioned you went over and and, and uh, won a title over in Japan. Did you ever take any tours over in Japan? And who were you with? I did. Uh, I did three tours in Japan for Noki. Yeah, I did one, two for Noki, one for Wings. Remember Wings? Uh, Victor Kionis. Yeah, yeah, one for them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and I worked and, yeah. in for Schobert in Germany. For six weeks of tournament in Germany in uh, Hanover. Who'd you work for in, in uh, Germany? Schobert. Schobert. Yeah, he was before me. I worked uh, two years in in Germany on that on that loop. But it oh, was yeah. uh, it was uh, Peter William was did some of the shows, and then Otto Vonts did some, and some they did together. So we did Peter, Hanover and Bremen. Peter William, two two uh, two rounds. He gets over. Okay, asshole. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't stand him. <laughs> he, he was the guy that was a referee when I was there. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and his, his brother was a ring announcer. Yeah, then uh, did you meet, you know, actually Peter? I sure do. In fact, his uh, his kid is in uh, WWE now. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, serious. Good good looking guy, good good worker, great body. Cool. Yeah. But I didn't work with Axel. I just met him. Axel wasn't part of the tour when I was there. I just got to meet him when he came in. He was more a hamburger, I believe, but we weren't running hamburger. I got you. Yeah, I was over there. Yeah, a guy named uh, Moose Morowski got me booked there. Moose. I remember and, uh, Moose. Remember Moose? We were yeah. there six weeks. We were there six weeks, and I was just uh, just doing jobs or whatever. But it was it was a hell, it was a fun tournament, you know. Just it uh, they went from there to uh, Dusseldorf for a week, but then they didn't take the whole crew. And I didn't. I wanted to go home. I was tired of being over there, you know. You're probably over there in the winter, weren't you? If you're running Hanover. Yeah, winter. I was in. The, yeah, they had the. Um, what do they call that? Where they do all the drinking under the tents and all that over there? Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going on, yeah. <laughs> so after your transmission shop, did you did you stay in the business or did you uh did you you sold the sold a transmission shop? Did you go go back into the wrestling business? Well, I did. What I did was um I um. I stayed in the transmission business for a while, you know, like to a while. And then I worked shows out of there sometimes if I was making a good payday. And then finally, it came along to about, eh, I don't know what year it was, but it got, WCW was giving Vince a run for his money or whatever they're doing. And right. so I had a chance to go try out for WCW. And Bischoff told me that he was they were going to give me a two-year contract because, I, I mean, I went not I go there, Jerry, I go there, here's here's uh, Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, a couple of other guys. They go, okay, Lenny, you got a match with this guy tonight. This is your tryout match. I go, tryout? I said, brother, I was working on top when y'all got in the business. What do you got to turn up for? He goes, no, that's the way things are done now. I said, well, who am I trying out with? He goes, he says, he says Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, and I went, well, thank you, God. I know yeah. I got it. Right, and so me and Eddie had a hell of a match, and Bischoff told me, "Hey, we'll give you a two-year contract." He said, "150 a year. You work ten days a month. You still run your shop." I go, "Brother, get the paperwork drawn up." And then I don't know what happened from there to the next two weeks, but somebody got in his ear because he didn't want nothing to do with me. I couldn't catch him if I tried, and finally I went to uh, them and said, "Hey, look, yeah." My booking sheet on here, I booked in Portland, Maine, and I live in Portland, Oregon. Y'all run in Portland, Oregon the same night, and you booked me in Portland, Maine. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I a family I'm trying to feed, so shit or get off the pot. And I never see another booking sheet. (laughs) (laughs) And so then from there, I went and um, I just kind of make shows for independence and stuff like that along the way. You know, I never really got hooked up after that. You know, I didn't do it full-time anymore. Well, Eric, Eric Bischoff's a good friend of ours. If you want to blame him or cuss him, you're, that's fine with us. I don't think it will. And, you know, I don't know what happened or if somebody who did what. You know, I hate to say it. I don't know who's gotten it. You know, for some reason, it just all of a sudden didn't happen. So, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows who did what? But uh, maybe it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Well, there, there were so many changes going on there. You get you get with Eric, and then two weeks later, he's gone. Somebody else is in. A month later, they're gone. So exactly, 
well, there's a lot of saying. transition going on at WCW for a while. It's, it's like um, it's probably meant to was meant to be. I shouldn't have been there, you know. Like who knows, you know. But um, but I've always uh, I've always enjoy working and uh, like I got um, I got some I I got a thing. I don't know if can I plug some stuff on here. Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. I got the an eBay site that I sell stuff on. You wouldn't believe stuff they buy, Jerry. <laughs> I got, <laughs> got masks like mine on there. I got books they can buy. I got wrote a book. Tell us about your book. I know you you had a very successful book. Uh, matter of fact, I got one over my bookshelf over there. I've read. It, it was a guy in Portland. Wait a minute. Over. Wait a minute, Jerry. You read a book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry yeah, unlike you Texans that just read smoke signals. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, don't tell nobody, but I haven't even read, read my own book. <laughs> well, I'll read it for you. I'll give you a review. It's good. <laughs> but um, I uh, I sell a lot of stuff on eBay. I make money doing that, too. It's not too bad. And do the independent shots and just stuff like that. That's how I'm getting by now. Hey, Dad, what's, your, what's the name of the eBay so people know how to go to get to it? It's called The Real Grappler. The Real Grappler. Just go to that site on eBay. And what all do you, what all do you sell? I got books. That's my book. I got masks. Same size you can wear. It's like I wear that sell. I got lots of pictures, all kinds of different things like that. You know, and um, other things, items too. But um, mainly for the merchandise from wrestling, you know, on there. You know, different stuff I picked up along the way. So it does pretty good. You still have your loaded boots? I sold them. I sold, I sold them. them on eBay. <laughs> I sold them to a guy in Hawaii for forty six hundred dollars. No, wow! Best payoff ever made on them. <laughs> <laughs> it made up for that five fifty dollar fine watch game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Hayes was apparently fine one time, and apparently he didn't do it. Whatever was uh, Bill Watts said he did, and Bill <laughs> Watts got away with it, was saying, "Well, you probably did something else," and just left the fine. <laughs> I don't doubt it at all, man. He would find you in a minute, you know, when nobody else was getting away from doing that. He was finding people. <laughs> <laughs> did you? What did you? What did you think about Watts? As far as a lot of people talk about how smart he was, uh, what a creative genius he was. What did you think about it? Uh, JB, Bill was, see, I know he had a lot of pressure on him with that territories combining and all this stuff, but he was kind of a bully. You know, he's a bully if you get away with it, you know. But um, there's a lot of guys that have been this like that, but you get used to them. But Bill, for as far as smart wise and creative wise, he was excellent. I mean, he knew the business, he, he, he had good eye, a great focus for doing angles and creative wise. And, you know, like, it's like um, the territories, the way he ran it, he kept the people coming back, the way he did his TV. He just had a hell of a mind for it. You know, you can't you can't knock the guy that way. I never do. Yeah. You know? I mean, me and him had our arguments and our problems because – and the whole problem came because my dad was running towns using his TV. <laughs> like using – like I was on the TV. Bill didn't run these towns, but his TV went in there. It was on the outskirts, right? So he'd book the town when I'm off and put me on the show. Well, that's using taking advantage. Bill's promoting me and pushing me, and we're, he's basically using his TV for his town, right? And so he him he got pissed off at my dad. We got in an argument, but 
what are you going to do? Tell you, we're going to take the promoter or your dad. So I told Bill, kiss my ass. And that's how we had, we had a run, run in because of that one time. The family comes first, you know. So, but you know, I understand, I understand his, his uh, idea too. I'd say, what are you doing? I'm paying the money to promote you on TV. I'm taking all the chances and your daddy's over stealing the time. I would have been pissed too. But you know, <laughs> I, my dad was telling me, you better be there too. At the shore, I'll whoop your ass. And a 300-pound watch tell me he whoop my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, what are you doing now? Are you you still involved with the with the with the business now out in Texas, or what? What are you doing? Well, I just like I said, make independent stuff. I got a thing I'm going to. I think it's the 23rd of this month. One of those virtual showing thing where you sell stuff on eBay. Or, I mean, on right. Facebook in New York. Um, they're flying me to do that. And then on the, let's see, I had it written here. It's in, you know, that uh, the 13th, uh, the um, Bruce and Memorial, you're going to be there at that thing at the and hall. In St. Louis, yeah. John yeah. and I will both be up there for that. Hey, Jerry, I'll, when is that again? Be there. I'll be there, too. The 13th be, of when? When is it? April, let's see, no, it's March 13th. Uh, yeah, I'm going into that St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame up there, and John's coming up. Yeah, I'm, Jerry, I'm coming. I just got to. I can't remember what day it was. What? Is it okay, April? I'll I'll get you the dates there. I'll have Herb Herb give you a call. You're going up for Herb Simmons, right, uh, Dan Lynn? Is that who you? Yeah, there yeah, for Herb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Herb's and a good I, guy too. Have you worked for Herb before? Yeah, yeah, I know Herb. I've known him a long time. Yeah. He's a good man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. And then I got. Um, there's a on that uh, that WrestleCon thing. They're trying right. to get fixed for Vince runs in uh, before the uh, the, the uh, WrestleMania in LA this year. I guess the uh, it's um April March first of April or something. I don't know. Either we, April second and third is WrestleMania, or April first and second. I can't remember. It's uh, Saturday and Sunday out in LA. Saying I'm supposed to be there with a table, trying to put pedal. Flip flam man pedaling my shit, yeah. <laughs> you know so what's anyway. amazing? I I was sitting with Ron Simmons one time. You know, Ron, Ron and I were, you know, Ron and I were tag team partners for several years in WWE, and yeah. we're sitting there one day signing autographs. And he looked at me, and goes, "Can you believe people actually want our autograph?" And I said, "No, I no, I can't. It's the All greatest right. thing ever." Here's what I was talking. You know, you know John Nord Berserker. I met him. I don't know him well. I met him when I was up, when I was training up in Minnesota. Yeah. You do not know him well. <laughs> He's crazy. Anyway, I talked to him this morning. Actually, he's going to be there too. I got to. You got to meet him. You're going to love him. But anyway, he's a. I said, Johnny, here's how it is today because he hadn't done this for a lot for years. Here's how it is today. And so I'm sitting there watching a guy, and he goes, plus a person comes up to the table. Hey, grappler, can or they ask the guy, can I have a picture eight but ten yeah how much twenty dollars okay how much to sign it another twenty can I take a picture with you yeah another twenty <laughs> you know, holy shit dude it used to we'd sign it take a picture and kiss your ass for twenty dollars now yeah. you get a hundred <laughs> <Okay, you know? laughs> my first pictures that I had uh, made up at some local studio I'd sell in between matches in Texas we weren't making any money I think it was yeah. like either two or three dollars for a picture and that was signed and everything that was that was <laughs> I know, but nowadays it's changed. Everything here's higher. Everything's going, man. It's something else. But I mean, I I remember going to a Comic Con with Piper in Toronto, and it's the big one they have every year there. 
at Sky Dome. And um, I mean, they got these all these famous stars there, right? And Piper's there because the sci fi convention thing. And like, um, I'll see Freddy Krueger to the left and Sigourney Weaver there. And all at that time, Spock was there. And uh, those guys, they were all still alive. They had a line around the corner at that time signing eight by tens for a hundred dollars a pop. Wow. I'm like, and they were telling me they paid them to come there. And it was unreal. Wow. It's yeah. unbelievable. It, it's shocking how much people people want to see, especially a lot of these older stars. You know, like you say with uh, Spock and we, I see William Shatner and a lot of them. He just he does gangbuster business everywhere. No, he does. You you notice you ever seen those kids that come along? They got like six belts. Yeah, them things are expensive, dude. <laughs> they spend that money, boy. Yeah, they do. Well, Lynn, hey, Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the show. We greatly appreciate it. Have you got your eBay, anything else you want to push? We're happy to push it and whatever no, you want. Appreciate it. That's good. I thank you so much for having me on the show. Jerry, love you, brother. You know that. I ain't seen you. Love before. you too, Lenny, man. It's taken us a while to get you on here, man, but it was well worth the wait, man. We appreciate your time today, and uh, yes, and sir. I can't wait to see you in St. Louis. There. Hey, real, real quick, Lynn. Time. Real quick, Lynn. Let me tell you, for, Jerry, I'm sorry to, be to cut you off. Uh, when I saw you at it, uh, the Cauliflower Army Club in Vegas, you know, I ran to you. I said, man, I'd love to have you do our podcast. And you said, yes. I called Jerry right away, and I said, hey, Lynn's going to do our podcast. Jerry was so excited, just like I was. <laughs> we, were, we were thrilled that you were going to come on our podcast. Hey, Actually, I said that no good SOB. I've been trying to get a hold of him for six months and he won't return my call. He did say that too. <laughs> me, hey, listen, you call me anytime I'm on there if you need me on there. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have Thank you, Lad. Have a great one, man.